Tony Smithers, hello. Hello, Jonathan Green. This is not our usual cause for meeting. We we, we meet at, well, at a, a momentous moment. We do meet as a ment- at a momentous moment. The death of our sovereign. Now, I was just thinking about this and thinking about the life of a queen, and so much, so much of it is around food. There's always a state dinner. It's an extraordinary thing to think in that 70 years of being the sovereign, how many dinners, official dinners that poor woman must have had to sit through. It's chicken or fish. <laughs> yeah, because for every every chef and every establishment and every stop on the wayside across 70 years, every person involved would have been having their teeth chattering and their world being turned upside down because the Queen was coming to visit. What an extraordinary thing to provide food for. But think of all those countless souls that have been terrified that it wouldn't be up to scratch. Yes. Well, here's a, here's a question for you. If, if, if Her Majesty, God rest her soul, uh, had been coming to your place, what would you cook for her? From what I know of sort of her real likes and dislikes is I would have cooked her a very plain lunch. She was very fond of the beautiful flatfish in England being the Dover sole. Mm. So I would have trotted out a perfectly filleted flounder that was scum, dipped in flour, and then gently pan-fried. And on the top I would have put a couple of slivers of a compound butter of parsley and lemon juice and butter and some wilted spinach underneath. Well, that's that, that, as you say, is simple and yet elegantly lovely. Well, she didn't, I mean, she was a, a modicum of uh, virtue when it came to her personal eating styles in the fact that she, she ate small meals, four meals a day, um, very little starch in them, so very little carbohydrate, and a lot of fresh food and vegetables. So she was a mm. very, you know, so I suppose if you are going to do your service to state and country relentlessly for 70 years, you have to watch, watch your diet, don't you? I wonder if, I, I mean, we, we may never know this, but on a state occasion, would she have what everybody else had? Would there be a you know, special queen menu when everybody else gets their, their nice piece of steak? How, I wonder how that worked. I would, I would imagine that she had a list of things that you know, were allowed to be served. I mean, the Dover sole just feels exactly right, doesn't it? <laughs> I wonder, are there any other foods that spring to mind when you, when you think of Queen Elizabeth? Well, I think that one of the ones that I love the most is that she was a great fan of the jam penny. Excuse me? And that is, well, a jam penny is that delightful little afternoon tea treat where you you make a little jam sandwich, so nice white bread with a thin smear of butter and some beautiful strawberry jam that would have probably been made from the strawberries from Belmoral, mm-hmm. at where she is lying at present. And then it would be cut with a little round cutter so that it was the size of an old English penny. Oh, how delicate. <laughs> well, then it means that you can't sort of hoover great amounts of jam sandwich like you or I might. 
I had her. Well, well, it goes back to that level of restraint that I think yes. she's shown so often in her, you know, her long and glorious life. I mean, it's no mean feat to reach what, the age of ninety-six to have that life of of. Of constant function and obligation, you know, to be constantly at a table with people, to be, but but also to sustain yourself in in good order through I that know. time. And the it's, food is critical to that. The food is absolutely critical to that. So I think that she has, yeah. As I said, she's a a pillar of strength when it comes to sort of making sensible choices, so that she is sustained and polite and healthy and ready for each day. I wonder what Charles eats. I don't Well, I don't know what Charles eats. Charles, Charles may not have his mother's good habits. He may. Well, I see, I, I'm, I'm, I'm guessing, and this, this is completely without any sort of grounding in fact or knowledge, but I would wonder if he's not vegetarian. Well, I'm sure that he is very, because of his, you know, Amazing stance on sustainability yes. and his worries for the future of the planet is I would agree with you that he probably doesn't eat a great deal of meat. And if he does eat meat, he's possibly eating meat that is either very sustainably grown or hunted, which is sort mm. of, you know, in you know, some in some spheres the idea of hunting for our food is frowned upon. But given that, you know, they do have, you know, natural, you know, deer population and things in England, is it is a form of, you know, control. Now, so, yes, well, and and in that in that thing that that modern thing too of you know of eating less and and doing it in a way in which you know the provenance of that beast. Well, that, that's <laughs> that's pretty clear does, example of both of those things. Him it does give him, and I know, you know, her at times in her life, the chance to get into one of those things that I know both you and I are very fond of, and my fondness of them comes from Queen Elizabeth, which is the great and wonderful lineage of the Land Rover. Ah, so we... the little series Land Rovers that she would have stepped in and out of over her lifetime as King Charles III has, mm-hmm. of to go rumbling over, you know, the, the ground at Balmoral with your little pack of dogs and sticks and guns and whatever to go off and shoot <laughs> deer for dinner. <laughs> they are a particularly regal vehicle and they're... they're... But they they are stylish. They're temperamental. They spend a lot of time with your your favoured LR mechanic. <laughs> but unfortunately, even though Queen Elizabeth has been a champion of the Land Rover, yes, it, its badge has not quite lived up to her level of stoicism and duty and always being reliable. No, the sense of duty is not strong in that mark. Uh, no. <laughs> so, so. But it, it doesn't deter people like you and I, Annie, who are, are big fans no, of them. enthusiasts. Indeed. Enthusiasts. Indeed. Now, um, I wanna... But I think, Jonathan, for, for you know, I think that I, I, I will write you a little recipe. I want you to do this, please. Using, instead of using Dover Sol, our 
Australian equivalent, of course, is flounder. But I must say that filleting flounder is not one of my favourite tasks. Not for the faint-hearted. It is, it, is left, it is a good thing that she has armies of kitchen staff around her all her life to do all of this filleting of domicile. So I think that we should go with a very Australian, very Australian vernacular of a little bit of gently pan-fried flathead fillet. Oh, that's perfect. So flattish fish, a flattish fish, not as flat as a flounder or a domicile. But still a bottom but, dweller. But still a bottom feeder. So... How about that? That would be superb. So, listeners, if – and I think this would be a lovely thing to do if you were wanting to have a little lunch sometime in these next few days to, to mark the passing yes. of Queen Elizabeth. Yes, Annie's, Annie's and flathead fillet with ex- wilted spinach. And she was extremely fond of fine champagne. So have a light little delicate little fish lunch and then have a beautiful bottle of champagne and finish it all just for Her Majesty. And maybe a pop of a couple of jam pennies before you fall over in the late afternoon. That's it. <laughs> Annie, thank you. Um, Annie's recipe for that flathead fillet, lovely Spot of lemony herby butter and some wilted spinach. We'll pop that for you on the blueprint page at the Radio National website, and you can have you can have yourself a, a regal lunch. Annie, thank you so much. My pleasure, Jonathan. You have a good day. Blueprint here on ABCRN. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.